Hello, this is Nikki Toyamasito. I'm the executive director of Christians for Social Action and your host for today's episode of 20 Minute Takes. Today, we talk with Darren Calhoun. He's a justice advocate, a worship leader, and an artist based in Chicago. And he talks to us about the stories that he's been collecting of Black queer Christians as they've journeyed in and out of the church. Join us for this conversation. Darren, thank you so much for joining us today on this episode of 20 Minute Takes. Absolutely glad to be here. Okay, so I have my thin mints next to me because I thought this is just going to be one of those kinds of conversations. One of those like, ooh, what is he talking about (laughs) next? Did I plan appropriately? Absolutely. There's always so much going on. (laughs) What's your go-to snack? Go-to snack right now is uh, cashews. Oh, cashews so healthy. Wow. They are just yummy and and wonderful. Although technically you're not supposed to eat a whole, whole lot of them because they, they they are high in a certain kind of fat. It's a good fat, but it's, you can have too much. But I'm not really counting those kinds of things right now in my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so glad I'm so glad to have you on. Um I think I was particularly interested in some of uh, in one of the projects that you're working on. But uh, for for folks who may not know you. I mean, everyone in Chicago knows you, but for folks who may not know you, (laughs) can you tell us just a little bit about your Christian journey so that folks Mm -hmm. maybe could kind of place you in a time and in a season and in in sort of a a landscape? Yeah. A couple of things that you you like people to know about (laughs) you and your Christian journey. Yeah. Born and raised here in Chicago. Um, First first church like active attendance would have been around sixth grade or so okay. um, in, in the Catholic church. And oh, then, right? uh-huh. yeah, and baptized and confirmed and was an active youth group leader um, right away. And I did that all the way through high school and into college where I started my charismatic born again kind of experience. And so that, ah, that yeah. now we're about 1998 or uh-huh. so. Yeah. 97, 98. And in college was where, uh, like I said, I had this born again experience in what became a campus ministry uh, that then also attached to a church. And later in life, I realized that that church was a cult or is a cult. Oh, my. And uh, I spent about eight years there uh, trying to uh, not be gay anymore because that's how we how we interpreted scripture uh, in that space. Um, and after that, <laughs> um, I realized that that church wasn't a healthy space for me. Um, and I, uh, followed up with a very large evangelical mega church, um, okay. where I had a, you know, I had a, an experience of having to advocate for myself just as somebody who, um, who is gay, not uh-huh. necessarily about same sex marriage or anything, but just about how I could serve in church. Oh, and I see your ability to be present. Kind of mm-hmm. quote unquote what you were allowed to do, right? 
and we found all kinds of hidden rules and 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 uh, what I call landmines when it comes to church policy. And uh-huh. so that really navigating that launched me as a public advocate around both the intersection of race and LGBTQ experience in churches. I see. And particularly and so Christian churches, with. is that right? Yeah, Christian churches. Okay. Great. Yep. So you you described yourself um, as a justice advocate, as a worship leader, and as an artist. Um, and uh, it, as you think about sort of the justice advocacy, what is it that you are um, trying to advocate for? What is it that you're trying to draw attention to? Yeah. So I have a, I have a simple premise. I just want to make the world a better place for everyone in it. Mm-hmm. Which is a mouthful, right? Um, but <laughs> well, it's very, it's totally, it's very noble, <laughs> right? It's 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 a high aim, and it's something that will outlive me. But yeah. the idea in in the work that I do is I try to help people find the unique contribution that they can make to making the world better. Uh-huh. You know, like yes, I'm I can be on the front lines or I can be up on a stage, but not everybody's uh, going to do that. Yes, so yes. other people can um, be giving financial support. Somebody else can be giving. Uh, subject matter expertise. Somebody else can just be a listening ear. Like there's all kinds of ways, you know, if you go for this, we are one body with many parts illustration, yes. there's yes. all kinds of ways that people can do something. And my hope is in all the work that I'm doing that more people find there's something to do. Mm, I love that. That's, yeah. I think that's so great. Um, one of the things that I've really appreciated is your voice and your perspective um, on this podcast that you've developed called Second Sunday. Can you tell us a little bit about um, what is it that you are hoping uh, Second Sunday brings to the conversation? Yeah. So even the title, Second Sunday, um, plays on this tradition of there being special Sundays throughout the month, okay. whether it's communion on first Sunday or, or youth engagement on the, on the fifth Sunday. Ah, uh, yes. The youth right? service <laughs> where the youth group comes up and yes, yes. Right. <laughs> um, but, but second Sunday is, is just this idea. It also is this idea of us taking a moment to look again, uh, to reflect back on what, what has been the experience for black queer folks in the church. Mm. Um, because we'll, we'll ha- we have lots and lots of podcasts that are about church, yes. and it's often a mainline or or not necessarily a Black experience. Okay. And we have lots of podcasts about Blackness and about queerness, but yes. the, the intersection of these three um, Black queer church narratives, um, we, f- we felt like there wasn't enough out there. And we have all kinds of ways that we've been responding from yes. folks who are staying in church to folks who have left and found community elsewhere. Ah, uh, I see. So, so the podcast kind of documents and collects these stories as Black queer folks are navigating. Maybe they have a historic relationship with the church, or maybe they're new, but they're all coming to different conclusions. Mm-hmm. And you're just following those stories where they go. Yeah, and it's it's been great. It's the the podcast is a partnership with PRX and the Templeton Foundation, a part of this Big Questions project, right? Oh, so nice. ourselves, along with three or four of the podcasts, had an opportunity to ask these very big, open questions, um, and for us answering answering that call by by documenting these stories. Um, season one, we we had a lot of. Uh, theologians and and scholars and teachers who uh-huh. are doing work in the church. And yes. in season two, we're looking into more people who are doing work outside of the church. So it's yeah. it's really going to be a, a wide, wide breadth of information there. That's cool. What has been the most surprising thing for you as you've been doing the podcast, as you've been asking the stories 
as you've been intersecting with Black folks, Black queer folks, and their experiences with the church? I think... I think because Black people that, you know, I'm Black in America, we, uh, in Chicago, we, there's a lot of familiarity. But then uh-huh. as soon as you open that conversation up even more, you find out both that there are lots of shared experiences, even down to some of the language that was used against us. Oh. Um, and then you find all these rich, unique moments as well of people remembering, like one of the questions we ask all the time is, who was the first what was the first time you saw somebody who was like you in church? Mm. That being somebody mm. who you suspected or knew to be to be black and queer, yeah. and that always is such an insightful moment because oh, for some it was when right? they were very young, and for uh-huh. others it was when they were very very well into their adult years. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah, and especially if you think about the role of women in the church, uh-huh. it adds another layer to it. Of sometimes yes. women have been relegated to the back and and to to subcommittees and so forth, and sometimes it was your preacher who was who was a woman who's also wearing Air Jordans, who's also talking about uh, her days in the wild seventies. Like there's just this this wide range of who shows up for you in church. Wow, I mean, I have to confess, um, I. I don't know a lot of black queer folks who are mm-hmm. still hanging in the church and hanging yeah. with the church and and kind of um deeply engaged. I, I think I hear a lot of one-sided sort of stories mm-hmm. um about that. Um can you give us a sense as to how big is that community? Is it I don't have lenses to see it and and that actually that community is more present than than I think it is? Yeah, it, it shows up in different ways. We know from general data that uh, Black people are the most churched uh, group, ethnic group in the country right now. Okay, uh-huh. Um, and that, you know, totally that number's yeah. beginning to shift. Sure. But we culturally, socially are churched and typically uh, do so. Yes. Um, but then you also get what I call the minority within a minority effect, where because there is a outer society that is white dominant or white centered church becomes a a safe place and a haven. And we've seen this historically with the civil rights movement being something that was grounded in the church and so forth. Yes. And so when it comes to then you becoming a third minority by being queer, Ah. so you're not white and then Uh now you're queer and then, Uh you know, add more to it being a woman or something like Uh that or being trans, there are different ways that it becomes even a tighter and tighter bubble. So what ends up happening is the church, especially in the modern context, has become very insular or just kind of separated from what's going on in a lot of ways. Like you can can know who's who in the church world and no one outside of the church world know any of those people. And so mm-hmm. you have this thing where if you're in that bubble, yes. you're connected and it's it's just national and international at times. But if yes. you're not in the bubble, then yeah. you're totally separate. And that's often what happens. People who stick around in church stick yes. really hard. And then uh-huh. people who leave really, you know, they 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 kiss that goodbye and it it costs a lot to leave. And mm. it where you show up after that often doesn't necessarily look like what we would typically see in a in a gospel church or um, a big choir church or even a, a mainline denominational church, it just ends up looking very differently for folks. Oh wow! It sort of sounds like what you're describing. I could totally see it. It's kind of when people talk about like churches becoming a little bit clicky, 
mm-hmm. but maybe kind of like all consuming. And it sounds like what you're describing is particularly for black queer folks that there isn't, I'm going to call it like a middle ground to sort of exist with all of these different identities that they have. And does that, are you saying that sometimes then people's experience, you either sort of have to choose all in or all out? Or you choose parts of yourself. Ah, uh, I see. I see. Okay. For example, many there there are at least three churches I could name in Chicago yes. that have huge populations that are black that have you know nationally known singers leading worship, yes. and have huge gay populations, and the church is not affirming. Which it isn't necessarily about affirmation of same sex marriage. Like they just don't even affirm LGBTQ people. I see. And so uh-huh. you have anti gay preaching coming over the pulpit, and people have adopted this don't ask, don't tell, you know, keep the meat, spit out the bones attitude because the culture I and the see. community of the church is so important to them. I see. I see. So there's, so there's kind of um, people are choosing which parts to bring into their right. church community. And then checking other portions of themselves. Exactly. So they may never celebrate their partner at church, but it may not be a complete secret that they are gay, right? Uh, Or, um, Or on the contrast, you may have people who still desire to be richly involved in a church, but they have to find a church that maybe isn't their tradition. Maybe it's a mainline denominational church, a high liturgy church. Uh, Some of the places that have done a lot more of the work on inclusion, but the culture isn't the same. You don't have that that choir. You don't have the Hammond organ going. And, you know, there (laughs) there are some- That Hammond organ. You got to have the Hammond organ. (laughs) The the soundtrack- <laughs> and there, there are places that are emerging. Uh, we, we just uh, for season two interviewed Bishop Yvette Flunder, and uh, she leads the Fellowship of Affirming Churches, which is a black and charismatic uh, and queer um, fellowship of churches and church leaders. Um, but not everybody has access to one of those churches. Oh wow! Um, yeah, and you know, there's there's two at least two churches in Chicago that I know that are black and, and queer. Um, but we're in Chicago and you can say that there's two, right? Like, what wow. does that mean for the rest of the country? What does it mean for people who are in smaller places? It often means you just got to pick, pick, pick from what you've got. Yes. Yes. Um, have there been moments or experiences as you've been collecting these stories for second Sunday where you have felt like, oh, I am standing in sacred ground or I am encountering God in this moment? Can you tell us a little bit about about that? It happens almost every interview. Wow, is that right? When and I, I'm an extrovert. I'm an extroverted ambivert, so I, I love the opportunity. Wait, what's an people. ambivert? Ambiverts that... are right in the middle between introvert oh, and extrovert. I see. Okay, but I lean on my extroversion side. I see. Right? Yes, yes. And so the opportunity to meet new people, to hear their stories, to to get real deep, real fast with the with the conversations, I, I oh, love that. Oh, that's your fuel. And, yeah. Oh yes. Uh-huh. And I feel the, the I feel the goosebumps. I feel that that Holy Spirit moment mm. when something powerful and profound comes out about somebody's story, because mm. there is that point of connection where it does resonate with my own story. Yeah. But there's also these moments where you just see the beauty and the image of God and what's happening everywhere, mm. right? Where people have survived horrid situations mm. and you know their lives go on and they and they and and they they make beauty from ashes if you will they mm. they make 
these mm-hmm. beautiful moments and these beautiful outcomes out of some of our shared challenges and um and even not just the challenges right it's not just a, an, an endless trauma dump but also these moments of beauty right yes. where yes we kind of reclaim uh, what it means to have significant relationships, what it means uh-huh. to have yeah. deep connection, what it means to be seen and known yeah. and loved. Like all of that comes together as people share their stories. And I feel I feel blessed to be kind of a, a steward of those stories for us to, to have this opportunity to, to document this and to put it out there in the world. Yes. I mean. Our faith, our, our faith tradition is so much built on stories that were orally passed down and then eventually written down and they became canonized into the Bible. But it was stories. It was letters. It was things yes, that were shared. Yes, yeah. And I feel like this is part of how we continue that tradition. Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, one of the things uh, that I wonder is it's as you are holding and curating these precious stories, what do you think? the broader Christian church can get, can learn that you hope that the broader Christian church hears from some of these stories of Black queer Christians navigating our our churches. Is there something that you feel like, oh, I wish folks could learn this aspect that pops in all these stories? Or I don't know. What Do you have a sense? I I think there's a lot to take away from someone's story. Okay. well, while we don't get to to dictate what those stories mean, or or we don't, you know, get to necessarily, yeah, say, like is oh, it okay well, to take something from someone's story? <laughs> I even even as we're talking about it, I don't mean to make like right. everything a oh, learning yeah. moment, but uh-huh. so when I'm facilitating one of the one of my favorite uh, community guidelines or community values is uh, learnings leave, stories stay. And it's just ah. this idea that what we get from a story absolutely yes. should go with you. Ah, um, yes. Not everybody's story is yours to retell. Ah, yes, yes. Um, yes. But in a in a podcast, you know, you can say, "Yes, I'm forwarding this on to my friends, to my pastors, <laughs> to whoever." <laughs> and that's that's not something you get all the time, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, but uh, as we as we gather these stories and we, as we gather the learnings from them, uh-huh. um, I think it helps us to fill in like the, the blanks. There's so many pieces where, um, for example, Dr. Pamela Lightsey was one of our uh, first season interviews, and she's this known um, author and academic. She's a scholar. She's she's teaching and preaching. And you'll hear her and you'll read her books and you'll hear her works, uh-huh. but you don't get to hear about her being high, going to the military, and how that impacted her family life. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. And you don't get to hear, you know, like the the wild stories of of just kind of who who influenced you, who you know, uh-huh. as she put it, who who turned her out. And it was uh-huh. like that she learned she learned about a lot of sexuality in the church from from the from the others who who had that knowing eye of yeah, you're wow. you're one of us. Wow. Right. So yeah. these are the kinds of stories that we love to dig up because we, you know, we do get the opportunity to, to interview some some public figures, but the, their story, their personal experience uh, is the part yes. where I think yeah. there's a lot to learn. And then again, for this for this broader audience, let's say you aren't queer or maybe you don't know a whole lot of black people, anything like that, right? Mm. We often think of topics 
as abstract ideas, a collection of rules and and certain certain just kind of vague shapes. Uh-huh. But when we apply those objects, those ideas, those concepts to people, uh-huh. I think it becomes a lot more powerful and a lot more important that mm. we navigate these things well. Mm. Um, so often people just don't know someone. And so they're talking about the idea of homosexuality or the idea of trans people. Uh, But when you have the actual story of somebody like Kamarion, um, Uh who she's on our podcast and she tells a story of coming out where Uh her father is preaching to her over the pulpit and dismissing and diminishing her in yeah. the church and her mother sitting on the front w- row, not looking at her. Oh, so so her dad was the preacher yes. in the pulpit. And yes. it wasn't one of those, I think he's talking directly to me. She, no, he's actually talking directly to her from the pulpit. Exactly. And the mother is totally averting her eyes. Like, right. I am not looking. Right. <sighs> And to be listening to that story as we wow. listen and we talk about trans access to, to, to bathrooms for trans folks or different uh, policies that outlaw keeping somebody's trans identity private or making it so that they can't transition their name or their clothing in school. Like, let's listen to the story of somebody who was uh, oh. still a minor getting called out by their parents and who eventually had to leave the house, oh, but wow. who wins their parents back by cooking for them. Wow. Right. Ooh, that by powerful. serving them. Yes. And then let's think about what it means to be Christ-like <laughs> mm, <laughs> as wow. a queer person in the full cultural t- tradition, since food is often such an important part of yes. Black gatherings, to yeah. think about what happens when you show up in love and serve in these ways, wow. then let's have a conversation, right? Mm. Don't just have the conversation about whether or not you can make a yes. bathroom all gender or not. Let's yes. actually know some trans people and their stories before we have those other policy decisions. Wow. That yeah. that's powerful. I I appreciate that call to I think it's sometimes simpler for people to kind of abstract or conceptualize. Mm-hmm. But what I hear you saying is really sort of a pastor's heart yeah. of going to the people closest and sort of listening and, and, and asking what does that mean for you? And and that and that feels like a posture that the Christian faith encourages, right? Absolutely. Um, I appreciate that. Well, Darren Calhoun, thank you so much for taking some time out and and for jumping to the other side of the microphone. I appreciate you right. coming and letting us <laughs> ask you questions. Um, I know that you are a fabulous host, um, but we are so glad that you came and shared your story with us here today on 20 Minute Takes. Thank you so much for having me. Twenty Minute Takes is a production of Christians for Social Action. Our music was created by Andre Henry, and this episode was mixed and engineered by Willowza Media. If you like this episode, spread the word by subscribing, reviewing, or sharing. I'm your host, Nikki Toyamasito. If you want to find out more about our work, visit the website at christiansforsocialaction.org. Okay.